Welcome, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. We're so glad to have you with us tonight as we get to talk about something really cool that many of us are experiencing in in the world right now, and that is uh, a slowdown in our schedules and adjustment to our lives where things are at a different pace than they were. And we're going to get to talk about how we live in that adjustment, how we rest well. And uh, if you don't know me, I'm Kurt. I'm one of two hosts. And the other one is a guy named Chris that I hope is around here somewhere. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. And I'm not breaking up. I'm not falling from the moon to the earth. No, no. You sound a little distorted, but you're good otherwise. So thanks for being with us, Chris, and we want to make sure to also say hey to our awesome mega producer, Annie Keith. Hey, guys. I'm here just hanging out. This is going to be a special episode tonight. And we're we're going to talk about why that is, especially for Annie and I, before the night is over. So that's kind of a little bit of uh, a little tidbit to keep you hanging on. It's like those old. This is beyond my time, but remember those, Chris. You you may be old enough to remember this. Uh, some the the old TV serials where they had cliffhangers at the end, you know, to get you to uh, watch the next episode. Do you remember those? Right. Were you were you old enough yeah. to watch those when they were actually not in rerun? Yeah, I'm only about eighty four years old. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> You're only what? <laughs> Just ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, and tonight we are we, uh, joining us. We're gonna have a special guest joining us. Uh, awesome guy named Matt Fogel, who when we talk about rhythms of rest and uh and that kind of thing i think matt is going to uh just hearing his story how he's grown and journeyed this idea of rhythms of work and rest learning to rest well uh it's going to be really helpful for us in in our journey as we travel through uh a, this time of adjustment and i keep using that word a lot because it, i think that is a, a significant um, description for all of us that we're we're in an adju- a period of adjustment like n- none other that I've ever experienced in my life. Chris, how about you? Yeah, this is a little different, isn't it? Most because it's involving everyone. I mean, I've never seen the whole country and really the whole world involved in something like this, except maybe when the Persian Gulf War started, but. But not to this extent, you know, not to this kind of harm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to uh, have uh, Matt on right. Actually, let's just bring him in and and uh, say hi to Matt right now, and we'll we'll get started. We'll do some trivia, but first, let's say uh, let's just greet Matt. Matt, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Hey, thanks for being on this with us tonight. Yeah, brother, my pleasure. Um, so, you're, tell us a little bit, just before we jump into the trivia, this this will give you uh, 
a chance to just let us uh, let everyone hear a little bit about you, where where you where you live, where you're from, what the weather's like right now, where you're from, or where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm originally from a little farm town called El Paso, Illinois, not El Paso, Texas. Oh yeah, that would be. Uh... We'd definitely jump right into that. Yeah, a little different yeah. than Texas. A little different. And uh, But right now, my wife and I and our four kids, we live in uh, near Phoenix, Arizona, in Mesa, East Mesa, Arizona. Mm. And it is beautiful out. I just actually finished a round of golf with my friend. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Is that what the Bible about how to rest is, is playing golf? Is that the Bible? There's something about recreation, my friends. Yes. Amen. I, I love that. I love that term, recreation. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I say that a lot. You know, recreation is recreation, and uh, we, yeah. we need to be re- recreated. So what what we do? Uh, so you, how long ago did you move to Arizona, and and uh, and why? Tell us a little bit about that. Really quick. Yeah, so my wife and I were at a church in central Illinois, and I uh, actually went to preschool there back in 1988. So wow. I had some really deep, deep roots, and um, we were there for six years. I was a high school pastor there. We felt called to, to, to just kind of leap into the unknown. We actually left the job on really good terms, uh, mutual love and respect, and we just kind of waited on the Lord. And this weird church planting opportunity came up in Phoenix. And so we moved out here. We said yes uh, a year and a half ago, December of 2018. Mm. That's when you moved there to start a church community. Yeah, and And, the church is called Rhythm Community Church. And uh, services, you you started a service uh, when? So, yeah, we, we like to say that we launched the church um, the spring of 2019 when we started doing alpha groups. There was a local bar. It's called Four Silos, and me and a couple guys started hanging out there asking good questions. I'm not sure if you all have ever been through the alpha course before, but magnificent resource, especially for people who are skeptic about mm. the faith. And so that's really when the church started meeting, when we started praying and in our home and uh, doing house church in the summer. I mean, we kind of, we, we called them the ecclesial minimums. What does it really, uh, on a minimum basis, what does it mean to be the church? Well, it means that we're actively being formed by God, you know, through the Holy Spirit and to the image of Christ. We were, we were doing that far before we had a Sunday service. We had authentic community. And we were on mission, you know, trying to carry out the Great Commission motivated by the Great Commandment. And, and so we did launch our Sunday services October, uh, but that's kind of how we like to phrase it because we think we were, we were the church before we started a Sunday service. Heck, yeah, I like that. And uh, yeah. you, you mentioned authentic community. Yeah. Um, so in your terminology or in your definition – what would what would authentic community mean? What does that look like? Oh, uh, man. Well, let me just lay it out for you, you know, because I know exactly <laughs> yeah. what that is. I've got a pocket <laughs> definition just waiting for you. 
<laughs> no, I can I just say the word Trinity and then we just move on. Just Trinity. Just imagine how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are hanging out. Um, but you know, sincerely, I, I, I just, uh, I think there's a difference. I think you can smell it in the air when you're with people. If it's a uh, manufactured community, if it's something that is forced and uh, fragile, maybe are two words like antonyms of authentic community um, instead of people that are genuinely committed to one another who are living into, you know, how the Psalm 133 says just how good and pleasant it is for people to dwell together in unity. Uh, and yeah. so it's just, it's something that we take for granted. I think a lot of times that it's available to us. True community. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, so when the word that I was thinking of that, as you were talking you know, just now about not forcing things. The word I, I thought of was safe. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. Yeah. It's you know, funny because, you know, we had one of those church planting dreaming sessions, you know, before we really even had an, uh, an idea. You remember those? You're just gathering in a small fellowship hall at another church, and you're asking people, when you envision the kind of church you want to be a part of, the kind of community, what do you, what do you want to be a part of? And my wife uh, was sitting there next to her best friend out here in Arizona, and, and she wrote down authentic community, and she wrote it around the table to symbolize that, you know, strangers move to friends around simple tables, right? Mm. And, and uh, her best friend next to her uh, just wrote the word safe, what you just said, mm. safe. That that's what that's what she was looking for, and I genuinely believe that they were saying the same things in different words. Yeah, I like that. I liked it a lot. It it when we talk about the Trinity, there really are. That's the the point of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're so one. They're though they're three individual beings. They're one with each other because there are no secrets. There are no, there is no, nothing hidden from um, from each other. They're totally safe with each yeah. other, totally giving of themselves and receiving equally, as you know, a hundred percent giving and a hundred percent receiving from one another. And uh, and and that's when the more that we move in 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 that I'm going to use the word rhythm because I like your church name when we move in. And those in that rhythm, the the more we move into that, the more uh, the more we find ourselves coming fully more fully alive. Yeah. Being able yeah. to give ourselves a hundred percent and receive a hundred percent, you know, we're, that's the journey. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so, what we do before we get rolling i'm i'm going to give you kind of a question to, to for you to think about uh, and it's it's really just this what is from your your uh, just in your own words what's your uh like your journey been like uh, moving into this uh, a better rhythm between work and rest and i want you to think about that for a bit 
because what we're going to do right now while you're thinking and processing that and you're free to join in this part too is we uh we typically do a little bit of trivia uh <laughs> just before we uh just for fun it's just for fun it's all chris's fault he uh he he let led us into this direction and it's just it's just a lot of fun to to uh ask each other trivia questions that try to stump one another and everyone listening and so uh chris yeah do you have any trivia for us tonight by any chance well i've got lots of trivia just trying to find the right one maybe something that is relevant here um well uh let's see matt uh, he said it was clear he had a clear day over there in phoenix hmm yes yeah, just looking. Well, see, I I have like twenty categories that I have saved because I use them in my in where I work. I work with uh, a senior residents at assisted living and so forth. And so, um, well, here's a fun. This is kind of a fun trivia. I know it's not fun to be on a cruise ship right now. <laughs> no. And I doubt that I will, you know, I've been on one cruise once, but after all of this, I'm not sure <laughs> I will want to ever be on one again. But uh, uh, here's some trivia. Let's see. How many meters, this is, up for, this is for uh, the Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Um how many meals do you think they serve every day? The cruise ship holds 6,600 passengers and crew. Okay. How many meals do they serve in a day on a cruise ship? On this, on huh. this cruise ship, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's 6,600 people. Three they meals. They eat like hobbits. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Three. So we got, got eleven of these. Well, that's forty-three thousand meals a day. Wow. That's, that's actually higher than what it is. It's thirty thousand meals every day. Wow. Oh man, so close. I was guessing, you so, know, times. Through the whole yeah. list here of things they they serve, so they um. They go through 30 trucks of food every week, which is 600,000 pounds of food every week. They go through 600 pounds of ice cream a week, 2,000 oysters a week, 15,000 pounds of beef, 9,700 pounds of chicken, 2,100 pounds of lobster tails every week. On a hundred, on a hundred different menus, but you you gotta go. Whoa, that's amazing. Well, get this: all the bread from all the different restaurants. I think they've got like uh, I'd have to look for. It's like twenty four restaurants on the ship. All the bread, all the restaurants from scratch. Wow. What? <laughs> I know. I did everything like. Crazy. That is crazy. So hey Chris, I got oh, Andy, were you 
a cruise ship has to do with resting, but just it's, it doesn't segue into today's environment very fast. Otherwise, those, those who are stuck on those ships are, well, they're being forced to rest like all of us, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, I was thinking of this when you were talking about all that food. I started thinking of my heart. (laughs) (laughs) And so so here's a trivia question that's related to the heart. Uh, Does anyone know how many hearts an octopus has? Eight. Eight. Wow, are you seriously both think, guessing the same thing, or are you just mimicking her, Chris? They have eight legs, so eight hearts. <laughs> well, that, if, we, if we go... So Annie thought first. She thought first. So it's not eight. I'll give you that. Matt, you have a... I'm just going to guess one. I think it should have only one. <laughs> They have three. Three hearts. Three hearts. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Is that like the Trinity or something? Is that what you're trying to get at? <laughs> no, I just, I thought of, I was thinking of it because you were talking about food and I just thought, again, about, you know, okay. cholesterol and hearts and <laughs> clogged <Okay>. hearts. <laughs> Um, well, I was going to give you Arizona trivia since we have Matt on here. Okay. All right. Do it. Oh, that's good, Annie. Go but for it. But it's not really trivia. Well, I'll make it trivia. It's a stupid law. So <laughs> it is illegal to knowingly or intentionally trip what for entertainment or sport and you would be guilty of a class one misdemeanor. If we trip this thing. Yes. Trip this thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> and it's not a kind of person. It's not like an elderly person. Right? It's like an No, that one you just get a really big high five. I mean, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, Annie. Yes, you get that pretty soon, Matt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess like a like a native animal. I'm gonna go animal route. I'm gonna say the javelina. Trip. Interesting. I'm gonna say, say a goat for some reason. I don't know why. Chris, you got a guess? A, I'll say a horse. Don't trip a horse. Chris has got it. It's equine. Any equine. So a horse, pony, mule, donkey, or a henny. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Since we're on the donkey subject, what is a female donkey called? This is a family I show. I can't say it. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> it's not Ooh. that, Danny. <laughs> is it Mueller? What's that? Maybe it's Mueller. 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 Mueller, Mueller, yeah. like Mueller. Mueller. Yeah, um, it's a. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a. It's a female. It's a girl's name. Huh. Adonna. And and I'll tell you right now, Matt. If you get this wrong, you're going to be in so much trouble tonight. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess it's your wife's name. I'm going to guess it's Jen. <laughs> close. Close. Jennifer. Close. Jenny. Jenny. Female a donkey. Jenny. A female donkey is called a Jenny. Yes. That was a good hint. Yeah, <laughs> um, speaking of, before we, we move on, just here's some trivia. You you didn't know this, but but uh, actually, Annie is from Phoenix area. You are Annie. Awesome. Born and raised. Cool. Yeah. You guys are like unicorns out here. Very rare. <laughs> it is true, and it's more rare or not as rare for everybody to leave there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you worked at ASU, right, Annie? Yep. For nine years. Well, 11 if you include my two years virtually. She was still working for ASU when she was here for a while. Wow. Wow. That's cool. And uh, now she works exclusively for Cal Poly. That is true. True statements right here. Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, not, not Cal Poly. Pomona, just to be clear. The correct Cal Poly. <laughs> wow. Yes. Because anyone listening that went to or is going to Cal Poly Pomona, my apologies. You can you can send all your hate mail to me. I'll take it. <clears throat> you can actually send it to your administration. They all pretty much know me because I say that at every meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, here's here's a piece of trivia since we're on the school subject um, Annie you can actually share this one no one will know this but uh, in California in the state schools uh, my daughter is famous and no one knows it my, my daughter Mackenzie can, uh, this is a fun piece of trivia that no one will know so why don't you share this to wrap it up we used McKenzie's data in all tw 23 CSU campuses to test that our application was working last year because we had a huge upgrade in the system and we needed to make sure we had real live data. And for so admission, we used McKenzie. Cool. <laughs> yeah, for the admissions for 20, 23 schools here in California. <laughs> so my daughter was the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> She didn't know she applied to 23 schools in <laughs> in uh, in California. <clears throat> so uh, okay, so Matt, we're tonight. You know, our subject that we're really rolling into is is about resting well. Uh, I think it's pretty relevant with where we are as a culture, and uh, with, yeah, like like Chris said, the world, like the unprecedented that the world is basically connected in such a tangible way I mean that we're all aware of it and uh, and the need um, for many people you know it not everyone some people have like Annie actually sped up <laughs> and went and got became more in, intensely uh, focused on work in in the short term well still to this day right Annie I mean it's still going nuts for you right Oh yeah, this is our busiest time of the year. And well, on top of that, every every time of the year is busy, but still. 
but this adds on more. What's that? I said this just adds on more. Yeah. But I mean, but for other people, it's it's been um, a quite a turnaround in their lives, going from working a lot uh, to a new dynamic, working, if not working at all, at least working from home and and uh, having a new rhythm in that. So, so for you, I, if I'm if I'm understanding things correctly, and you are free to disagree with me, Matt, but if as far as I understand you've been on a journey of walking this rhythm out for a number of years. Um, yeah. This rhythm between work and rest and, and really learning to rest well, is that, and, and learning that sees what that looks like even in seasons. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. So would you mind like just sharing a little bit? I think your story um, would be helpful for us. You know, what of your journey of, of, see, of, of walking in this, I think other people will uh, will identify and find, you know, obviously your story is your story, but I think there's going to be elements in this that will be helpful for for many of us. So would you mind sharing yeah. a little bit about that, how how it started, you know, where it started, and and maybe even some of the, the struggles you've had with it and some of the things you found that have – been really beneficial, you know, starting with, you know, the beginning, how, how you just walked into this. Sure. Yeah. And I, I just think this, let me start by saying this is a massive issue, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, especially with women and men in ministry in, in positions of leadership, whether you're paid to be ministry or not, but people who uh, claim to be apprentices of Jesus. I agree with what, uh, I don't know if y'all have ever read The Good and Beautiful God by James mm-hmm. Brian Smith. No. But one of my one of my favorite curriculums for Christ-likeness is his apprentice series, his three-book series. And the very first chapter of that curriculum, uh, the first, he calls it soul training exercises. So spiritual practices that put us on the path to be shaped by the grace of God. And the very first soul training is to sleep. Mm. And, and he kicks off that chapter with basically saying that the number one enemy of our spiritual formation into Christ likeness is exhaustion today. Mm. So it's not that we don't have enough information. It's not that, uh, you know, <laughs> the music at church isn't cool enough. If it was just cool enough, then we'd be really formed. He says the number one enemy is exhaustion. And I, I have experienced that myself in ministry, even out of ministry. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so when I came to faith, I was looking for, um, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have called it. I was seeking out God's kingdom, but I really was trying to figure out what is this new world with that, with my new, you know, new creation eyes? What is this all about? And I was, I was grasping for what is this? And early on in my, in my journey, um, before I was a Christian, I'd burn the candle at both ends. That's what my mom would tell me all the time. You all have heard that phrase before probably. Yes. yes. I was, I, I, and I would do two sports at a time, like, in the summertime, I would swim and I'd play baseball. In the wintertime, I was a wrestler and a basketball player. In the fall, I was a soccer and JFL football. Just year-round, 
you know, fourth grade through ninth grade, two sports at a time. And I was in a punk rock band, a Blink-182 cover band. <laughs> what? <laughs> On top of that, yes. Me and my friends renovated our attic in my house. It was a really cool 100-year-old home, little Victorian house in El Paso, Illinois. And I asked my mom and dad if we renovated that space, could we have it? And they said yes, so we took it over. It was awesome. And uh, then we all started following Jesus in high school. And so we became basically – uh, a worship band, like a punk rock worship band. Wow. And uh, it was incredible. And I didn't realize it at the time, uh, but God's first invitation to me was to quit all my things. And so I did. Uh, my sophomore and junior year of high school, I didn't do anything. I was in no activity. Uh, I stopped doing all the things and just rested. Mm. And would usually come home from school crying out, to God and asking him, why did you ask me to do this? This seems so stupid, pointless, painful to not have anything to do except for homework. That was miserable. And looking back, I realized that he was shaping me to rest more fully, you know, more fully. And, and to not stake my identity, my identity on what I can accomplish. Um, but instead to find my identity as a beloved child hmm. of God who, who lives in his unshakable kingdom. And, uh, and I'm not the one building that kingdom. As a matter of fact, I just, did, I just get to cooperate with his good work that's already going on. And he's more interested and invested in it than I will ever be. <laughs> so true. And so, you know, and so anyways, I, that's a lesson I've had to relearn over and over again. Uh, it's, it's something that I'm sure I'll, a battle I'll take to the grave because my first year of ministry was marked by a lot of applause. Uh, I pleased a lot of people, you know, the youth ministry that I was a part of it doubled in size mm. and I was working 80 to 90 hours a week Whoa. and I was being applauded, applauded for that. Great job, Matt. Wow. Unbelievable. How many kids you took to camp? How many baptisms did you have? Wow. Wow. And, you know, I didn't realize I was gaining the world but losing my soul, right, in the process. And um, I had a wife and a new baby girl, uh, my daughter, who's now 11. This is 11 years ago. And truthfully, the number one emotion that I remember in that first year of her being born is, is not the fatherly delight that a dad should have in her kid, but it was really annoyance. She annoyed me. And wow. she was frustrating because she was getting in the way of my productivity. And so I was emotionally a wreck. And I, mean, I gained 60 pounds physically. I was a wreck. I was working out four or five days a week. But just, just like, I don't know, emotionally eating. I do that. Uh, <laughs> I think... A lot of Americans do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gained 60 pounds. I went from 150 pounds on my wedding day to the next year when my daughter was born being 210 pounds. <laughs> oh, and wow. again, nobody, nobody was pulling me aside and telling me this isn't good uh, until a good friend of mine, who was actually my youth pastor in high school, who moved to Texas, and that's, uh, that's who I replaced as the high school pastor at this church in Texas. It's where I met my wife and he really played the role of Jethro. You know that story in Exodus 18 uh, where Moses is handling everybody's problems 
And Jethro's father-in-law just comes to him and says, hey, Moses, this is not good, with an exclamation point, by the way. Like, you're going to wear yourself out and the people. Like, this job's way too heavy. This, this dude played that role for me. His name's Trevor. Mm. And very prophetic voice in my life. And said, hey, I've heard about this thing called Rhythm in 20. You should check it out. And he showed me the ad. I don't know if y'all have ever seen Relevant Magazine or read that. Yeah. In Relevant Magazine, there was a full-page ad, and it was clearly a preacher who was dressed up, and he was laying in a coffin with sticky notes all over his body that said, meeting at 2 o'clock, prepare sermon at 3 o'clock, hospital visit, 4 o'clock, all the way into the evening. And he had, like, three cell phones on him. And uh, and then just in the corner, it says, are you tired of all the noise? Come get away with us. And then just rhythm in 20. Very mysterious, you know. And so, like, hundreds of guys apply to this. They choose 20 guys at a time. And I remember going to this retreat, and the dude that stood up there told his story of burnout and how it led him into his late 40s. Uh, he's become one of my closest friends, a good mentor of mine, Tim Bolke. And... He said, I just, I believe that if we can extravagantly invest in 20 leaders at a time, that we can change the world just like Jesus did. But it's going to take us fighting for space is what he, that's the phrase he always used, still does. We need to fight for space to rest. We can't just be workers. We got to have uh, this triangle of work and rest and play. And so we went on this retreat and I can't share too many details because we treat it like fight club uh, where, you know, first rule is you don't. Talk about Fight Club. So, but I will tell you that it taught me how to spend extended, unhurried time with God. And then I had a mentor, uh, his name is Jake K. Jones, who was my professor when I went and got my master's degree in spiritual formation. He was my, he was kind of the lead prof in that. He became a good friend of mine who taught me simpler, easy ways of Jesus that were just easy and light, free. I had good friends speak over me just the word freedom over and over again. My wife is chiefly one of them mm. who has helped me to stay in rhythm. And uh, if you look on my desktop right now on my computer, there's only a couple documents on there, and one of them is my weekly rhythm that outlines very intentionally when I work and when I rest. And only if the Holy Spirit nudges me hard do I really break that rule of life because um, I believe that that order brings freedom. And when I look at devotional masters throughout the you know, history, like Athanasius in the first three centuries or, or St. Francis of Assisi or whatever, that these guys spoke of holy leisure, that there was this balance in life of activity, rest, and work and play and sunshine and rain. And I just think that when, when we live into that order, it brings a lot of freedom. And, uh, That's awesome. So now I'm still, still trying to figure it out. Obviously, I started a church called Rhythm. <laughs> so it means a lot to me. And I'm not saying it's the key to unlocking some weird, pain-free life in Jesus. I actually think <laughs> it, it means uh, denying ourselves yeah. and taking up our cross and finding true life in areas we didn't expect it. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a – I'm really thankful for you for sharing that. Um, and it yeah, makes me – think a bunch of, I've got a, a few questions, well, yeah, probably more than a few, just based on what you you said. Um, the first one, the, uh, I like the triangle thing um, re- between work, rest, and play, and 
we're going to go to a break here in a second um, to because uh, we have uh, there's other shows we're part of a network called uh, Link Local Network and there's other shows and we want to definitely support them and talk about them because there's some there are great quality shows and we're going to have Annie do that in a minute but in the, while that's going on uh, Matt the question to maybe think about is uh, two things. One, what's the difference between work, rest, and play? Like, how would you? Because even rest and play sounds very interesting. I kind of, kind of lump them together, and maybe very simple uh, explanation. But get uh, share that with us. And then you talked about, you know, the uh, the struggles and taking up your cross. So, what are the practicals that uh, that you have to give up? Um, and what are the rewards? the things that you actually have to say no to at, at times in, in your rhythm to make sure you have it, you're keeping those things um, well in balance or at least in some kind of rhythm. Uh, those are the two questions, I guess. What's, what's the difference between work, rest, and play, especially rest and play? And what is, what are, uh, what are the, what does it look like to take up your cross? What are the practical things that you've had to say, you know, deny yourself and say no to, and what's the reward? Think about that, and then, Annie, uh, we will, we're, we're ready for you. Hey, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Life Hurts, God Heals. If this is Tuesday and somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m. Pacific, you're listening to us live. If you have a question for Kurt and Chris during this time, please give us a call at 323-580-5755. If you cannot call, that's okay. You can always reach us through our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals. Or send us an email at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. That's all one word. We'd also like to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. Some of the other shows that are a part of the Link Local Network are The Road to Recovery on Sundays at 7 p.m. Central, Community Voices Chat, which is currently every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, The Pillars of Franchising, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Link Local Network in your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. Again, our email is lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com, all one word, or give us a call at 323-580-5755. And back to you, Kurt and Chris. Thank you, Annie. So, so Matt, I mean, obviously there's a difference between work and rest. I guess more, but I'd love for you to, you know, there might be differences, you know, nuances that you want to share, but especially between rest and play, um, that triangle, what what do those look like, at least for you? Yeah. And time for, even time frame, you know, you, you talk about those triangles between, those three things and you set aside time, but what does that, what does that time look like? What are those things that be mm-hmm. are rest for you, work for you, play for you? And then <clears throat> what's the time frames that you set aside for working, resting and playing? Yeah. So <clears throat> re- I, you're onto something in terms of rest and play do go together. Uh, both of those things fill our buckets so to speak, but um, rest to me is simply stopping activity, right? It's limiting yourself in a very purposeful way. Um, 
the word Sabbath, you know, in the Old Testament and, and New Testament just simply means to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, uh, most people, you know, they turn their phone on silent, but that's not stopping your phone. That's just silencing your phone. Stopping your phone <laughs> means to you actually, there's a button on there that if you press it long enough, it actually turns off. It's crazy. You know? <laughs> it does that. It's a, it is a thing that it does. It's crazy. Uh, and then play, you know, play and work to me go, uh, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And so I'm constantly trying to reject suffering and embrace just playfulness. Uh, so I want to do all the things and, uh, Work and play to me go hand in hand in terms of they're both activity. Um, but the difference I would say is they're both activities that I do with God. And, and so therefore it can be a delightful activity, even if something is gruesome, you know, in Holy Week this week is going to the cross. Jesus says it, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So even in the worst kind of even in our worst imaginations of what working with God could look like in terms of going to the cross, and it still involved joy. And I believe Jesus genuinely was delighting in God as those horrible things were happening to him. The only difference I see is that work for us drains us. So there's some categories for me. There's some things that drain me, things like emails. Um, I, I don't mind doing one phone call doing 10 phone calls because I want to be a good pastor who knows what his sheep are feeling and thinking and, and just wants to be with them on a Zoom call, even though I don't want to do 50 Zoom calls in a week. <laughs> that, to me, drains me. It, it, but, it, but it drains me with, can I say it drains me with delight, that mm. it still involves joy. Whereas play, like golfing, it's an activity that still physically it drains me. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I have to be careful when I golf because if I come home to four kids, I have four small kids. My wife, I just spent five hours outside with my friends, quote unquote, playing. Hmm. Uh, I got to come home and <laughs> still be dad to my to my four kids. And but what's crazy is it, it still drains us because it's uh, activity. But it's a delight that fills us. Hmm. Right? It's not taken away. It's not suffering. It's it's just pleasure. It's just fun. Yeah. It's why you do trivia at the start of your show. <laughs> it's just fun. When you t- so you yeah. talk about play and rest. Yeah. What on so you don't do any play on your Sabbath. It's it's it, what does what does rest look like on your your Sabbath day? Um, so yeah, my Sabbath usually starts Friday night. Okay. Um, and then goes to Saturday night. So usually um, it looks like either a family movie night. We call it photo on the floor night. And. We usually order pizza because that's the one thing my kids eat without throwing a fit. <laughs> and <clears throat> so we do that, and uh, we go to bed early. And then when I wake up on Saturday, I, I do some really 
you need things that I don't do throughout the rest of the week. I, I make French toast. I never, I don't make French toast, <laughs> but I make it on my Sabbath day. And I, uh, I'll, I'll take my favorite bag of coffee out of, out of the cupboard and I'll, you know, freshly grind some beans and I'll do an arrow press or something fancy. It takes just a longer time. Um, instead of working out, I usually do yoga and I walk with my dog outside. I usually take at least an hour, if not a two hour nap on Saturdays. Mm. Um, I, I, I throw the baseball around with my son. I, um, try not to leave the house to shop. I don't put a lot of rules on it. I like what Eugene Peterson says that, uh, you know, it's really just about praying and, and stopping. And so I usually spend a longer time. I usually pull out my guitar. I don't usually play my guitar through the week, but I get down into my punk rock roots and I scream out some worship songs with my, <laughs> with my kids. And, uh, yeah, we just we have a good restful day because I know Sundays are coming, and that really is my first day of my work week, right? Mm. Um, and so I like to think that my week starts on Friday night, mm. the Sabbath, just like it did in Genesis chapter two, that Adam and Eve's life didn't start with a work day; it started with a Sabbath day. Yeah, I just—it's funny you said that. I literally. How many times have I read that and not picked up on that? Honestly, how slow am I? That it was just this week or or last week that in reading that that I I really comprehended. Wow, God created them and then they rested. Yeah. They, yeah. It's it's an interesting thought. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, where they yeah. rested too is interesting because they're in the Garden of Eden, which the Hebrew word Eden, the name, means to delight. Mm. Right? So they're really resting in God's presence in, in delight. That's why mm-hmm. I named my, my daughter Eden uh, to remind me that that's what life's supposed to be about with God. Yeah, the, there's something that has really connected with me, and I've shared this, I think, uh, at least once on the show, but it's it's so profound for me, I can't help it. And you just brought it up again, and that idea of delight. In First in, uh, Corinthians, right, um, chapter 13, which Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the, an ancient, uh, a church in ancient Corinth, right, which in a lot of regards could be called First Californians. Uh, Corinthians is so cl- Corinth is a lot <laughs> like California in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, um, uh, along the ocean, you know, along the sea and in a, a place where people know how, you know, have good weather and know how to party. And anyway, um, he says, you know, we use, these, we use his words in First Corinthians 13 a lot in weddings. Right, and and so they become pretty blase, you know, blase, and we just kind of go through them. Or I, I've heard them so many times, but it was just this year that, or in the last couple of years, where the words where he says, um, "Love rejoices with the truth," 
And then later on, and there's a connection that is developed between that statement there, love and God is love, right? So God in his love rejoices in the truth. And then later on he says, one day I will fully know as I am fully known. And that those two, those two connecting points, God in his love rejoices with the truth and he fully knows us and and it it came together to be like this for me. God rejoice, knows who I fully who I am fully, and He rejoices in the truth of who I am. And there, right there, is that word delight that you talked about. What I've lost is that sense of God rejoicing and delighting, knowing me fully and rejoicing in over who I am, the truth of who I am, and. When they, you, you just pointed it out right in the garden, as soon as he made Adam and Eve, they rested in delight, in God's delight. And this is what we're missing, right? And this is what Sabbath can bring to us, as a chance of slowing down enough to experience God's delight with us. Um, right. Takes me back to uh, to, you know, when God rescued them from the, the Israelites from Egypt, Egypt didn't see them as human beings. He, they saw them as tools, as human doings, and they didn't get rest. They worked twenty four seven. You know, they yeah. they were just they weren't human beings. They were tools. And the minute God gets them out of out of Egypt, the first commandment He gives them, and this is. In Exodus, the commandment he, above all else, he tells them, the highest commandment I have for you, not in the Ten Commandments, but he's as not, he, the highest commandment obvious, obviously was, was about God. But in this case, as he's talking to them in, in Exodus, he says, the highest command I have for you, first and foremost, is Sabbath. He goes, this is everything. This is, this is the one you've, You've got to keep this. Yeah. And 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 it goes back to the idea of in rest we begin to get back to the place of safety. We're back to that that place of that how much God delights in us that we have nothing to prove to Him that we we're not here to to perform to please Him that we're already pleasing. We're not working for his pleasure to somehow make him pleased with us. We're, we're actually meant to work from a place of experiencing his, that he's already pleased with us for who we are as human beings. I love that, that you're, uh, that you're practicing that, that space. It doesn't always work perfectly. There's, there's sometimes where three Saturdays in a month just all of a sudden get full, and then we got to fight for it again hmm. next month, right? I mean, we're not perfect at it. There's four small kids uh, <laughs> and a church plant. Uh, I just got told yesterday that one of my good friends here has decided to move on Saturday, and I I really feel called to break Sabbath and sweat with him and and again, remember that, you know, Jesus says Sabbath wasn't uh, created for man, but man for the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. 
the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what are some of the benefits that you uh, have experienced? You, you know, you've talked a little bit about, I guess, I don't a little bit of struggle. If there's more you want to say about that, what are some of the the, the struggles of it? The you know, taking up the cross and the denying yourself part. What makes it hard for you to rest? Um, and and what are the benefits you've seen personally in overcoming those struggles at times? Yeah, I I think one of the core struggles, which for all of us um, is a struggle, is how we understand the simple gospel. That's probably our perception of what the good news is really transfers into action and and whether or not you want to keep the Sabbath. Um, you know, because I really think the good news boils down to that God's rule and his reign over all of life is now available, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, that, uh, that his kingdom can be a reality, like a reality in our everyday, ordinary lives, in our eating and drinking and sleeping and going about lives, you know, as the message version says in Romans 12. And and so I think when we're immersed in that reality that God is in control, we feel the freedom and the release to rest if we really believe that that's the gospel. Hmm. But if the good news is that my reign over all of life is now available, <laughs> that, God is, that God has somehow died on a cross so that I could do what I want, when I want, in my own little K kingdom. If that's the big R, reality, and it's, it's not Trinitarian, it's actually individualistic, then there's a lot of fear that I, that I won't have enough time mm. to, to get things done the way that I want them to get done. That's and so you struggle against the tyranny of the self, is what I'm hearing. Is uh, I do because you and I, we we live in the most individualistic society. I'm convinced in the history of the world. <laughs> and when Jesus says, you know, when he talks about the parable of the sower, he says, "Hey, you want to know what squashes out the gospel? It's worries and wealth. Worries and wealth." Well, I don't know of a place on the planet right now that's filled with more wealth and worries mm. than the country we live in. Wow, yeah. And then beyond that, you know, he also talks about our cravings and our... <laughs> Americans don't just crave things. We do something about it. Like, we just get DoorDash or Uber Eats. We just we do it. <laughs> Even in quarantine, we're getting... We're, we're satisfying our cravings. Don't you worry. We're doing it. <laughs> We're going to get it done. So I that squashes, for me, I know it's not a unique struggle. We all struggle with it everywhere, not only in America and Africa, Asia and Haiti and all over the place that I've been. I, I see the same struggle. It's just acutely different and really in your face here in America. Mm. What yeah. what are some of the rewards for you, you yeah. know, in uh, in overcoming that sense of seeking to rule our you know your little K kingdom and letting 
the the Trinity, letting the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rule and have His way, trusting Him for rest. Yeah, man, there's a lot of benefits. <laughs> I uh, I forget who coined this term, you know, because Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about the cost of discipleship, what it costs you. But I, I read something not too long ago that said there's also a cost to non-discipleship. If you choose to reject Jesus, there's a cost to that. You're going to miss out on a lot of joy. I just read that and today. Did you really? Yeah. It was, uh, it was a who, devotional who from Chris, Chris Tigreen. It was a devotional he wrote. It was today's devotional about the cost of undiscipleship. There you go. Well, I've seen that thrown around by a lot of spiritual formation authors. There is. There's a huge cost. Because what I've experienced by taking space and by living in a more intentional rhythm uh, is all the fruits of the – you just name the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Especially, you know, you referenced 1 Corinthians 13, the faith, hope, and love. If you want – if you want to experience real freedom, it's I think freedom, especially interior freedom, is experience when those three things increase, right? Mm-hmm. When our love increases, when our hope and when our faith increases, we actually experience a, a greater sense of interior freedom. You could have us locked up in a cell, and we will still be singing. We are not in a cell. <laughs> we're not living in that little R reality. We're actually living in this big R reality. Mm-hmm. So there's, I would say, uh, three words at the at the top of my rhythm in life are freedom and adventure and overflow. And I experience all three of those things much more now than I did when I wasn't living with rhythm. When you say overflow, uh, are you talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that's what's overflowing, or... Are, like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think fruit. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one way of putting it. I actually think, of, you know, when the Gospel of John says there'll be rivers of living water that flow through you, that's the image mm-hmm. that I get. So the fullness of, you're talking about the fullness of God's presence, being aware of him, his completeness overflowing every yeah. aspect of our inadequacies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that really is everything, isn't it? I mean, we talked last week, Chris Chris and I were talking about um, feelings. And we got to this point where we talked about really when we let our feelings lead us, what's down deep below that is our sense of incompleteness, that we know we're inadequate. And rather than acknowledge that inadequacy, we cover it up and then our... And because we rebel against that idea of authenticity and just admitting that we're inadequate and letting God be complete, then we, yeah. rather than let God lead us in his completeness, we, we let our emotions lead. They end up taking control and, uh, and leading us to crazy places. And, um, you know, the old Ozzy song when I was in middle school, going off the rails on a crazy train, you know. And, uh, you know, that's where we live. And so what you're talking about is that opposite is rest and Sabbath gets us into the overflow of God's presence, his completeness, his perfection. He He overwhelms my incompleteness with his completeness to overflowing. That's yeah. 
So all he's he's complete in his joy, he's complete in his love, he's complete in his strength and his wisdom, and his insight. He's complete in his sense of wonder that God, even though he knows everything, he delights and joy over and celebrates and has wonder. Uh, yeah. I I heard it. I uh, G.K. Chesterton. This is going to be a loose uh, quote, but he said. You know, in his day, he was struggling with people who had a very, like, deistic idea of creation, that God was the watchkeeper, created it, wound it up, and set it on its way, and it, and it's all just kind of a, it's kind of this mechanical functioning in the universe. And he said, I don't think it's that way at all. I think the first day when God spoke everything into existence, and the sun rose for the first time. God was filled with wonder, and so much wonder that the next day he yelled, "Do it again!" And every day since then, like a little kid who says again, 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 that God's sense of wonder has been like that every day. Every morning, yeah, the sun comes up quote. and he says, "Do it again." Yeah. And we get to live out of that, right? That's the overflow you're talking about. That's part of God's, he's complete in his wonder. He's constantly curious and joyful and like a kid. And we get cynical and we get jaded. And God wants to overflow. He wants all of who he is, his childlike wonder and his power to overflow out of us. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, good. yeah. I, I think that's why I like praying the twenty-third Psalm so much. Mm. It's just how it begins with "God is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Mm. I have all that I need." And mm. you know, when Jesus talks about this super abundant, overflowing life that He's offering, and He contrasts it with what the what Satan and the enemy is wanting to do in terms of stealing and killing and destroying. The context of that verse is the good shepherd. He calls himself right before that. Hey, right after that, sorry. Yeah, just, I'm the good shepherd. That's who I am. That's Psalm 23rd shepherd, and I'm going to sacrifice my life for my sheep. And I don't do it for money. I do it because I delight in them. I know Mm -hmm. them. They know me. Mm. Yeah, we just talked about John uh, 10, that was the exact passage we were in for, for our service on Saturday night. <laughs> it's like everything you're saying, it just keeps coming back to same, similar language. It's fun. Uh, but I don't, want to, I don't want to neglect Chris because I'm sure Chris has been listening and has a ton of questions. So uh, what I'd love to do, we're going to take a, a, a little break again just to remind people about those other wonderful shows that are on Link Local Network besides us. When we come back, Chris, if you have some questions, I would love for you to jump into this and ask uh, ask Matt some questions. Yep, that's fine. Hey, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Life Hurts, God Heals. If this is Tuesday and somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m. Pacific, you're listening to us live. If you have a question for Kurt and Chris during this time, please give us a call at 323-580-580. Five seven five five. If you cannot call, that's okay. You can always reach us through our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals. Or send us an email at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at 
2020 at gmail.com. That's all one word. We'd also like to thank the Linked Local Network for broadcasting our show. Some of the other shows that are a part of the Linked Local Network are The Road to Recovery on Sundays at 7 p.m. Central, Community Voices Chat, which is currently every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, The Pillars of Franchising, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Link Local Network in your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. Again, our email is lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com, all one word, or give us a call at 323-580-5755. And back to you, Kurt and Chris. Chris. Kurt. Well, this is me tagging. Jump on in here. All right. Well, this has been very good, Matt. Thank you for uh, for this. And um, um, I'm always uh, looking to try to help connect what pastors are talking about to an audience um, because sometimes there can be a disconnect. And uh, I thought maybe you could go into um, or review a little bit of the what you could call the pathology of, of your hyper work when you were in high school or in other words, um, did, did you ever figure out if, if, you know, why you behave that way uh, with hyper work? Would did you feel like you were addicted to work? Um, was there something, uh, did you just have a lot of energy? Um, you know, were you AD, ADD or, you know, what, what was going on? Examine <laughs> any of that? Yeah, I, I have, I have dove into that. I'm a big believer in counseling and spent some time on that and um, spiritual direction as well. I see a spiritual director every month and we often get into my childhood. And yeah. So I really do think that a lot of my hyperactivity just came out of who God created me to be. Cause it's, I mean, my mom says that one of my first words was outside that okay. the little uh, double wide trailer we lived in could not contain me <laughs> as a two year old. I would just so that, stand at the door you, and pound. You know, when they say somebody is full of life, uh, you would get affirmed perhaps that way. Um, yeah. You yeah. Betcha. Yeah, something that's been spoken over my life a lot has been uh, from mentors is, hey, Matt, be careful that what you're doing, uh, and you know, more so be careful of why you're doing it and make sure that you're doing it. As cheesy as the phrase uh, audience of one can be, I believe in, in the simplicity of that, that as I do things, it's important to have that intention in my heart that this is not for these other people. This is not for applause and popularity. This this is for my father. Right. 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 Um, well, so let, let's delve into this a little bit more. Um, have you been able to well in other words I don't want a different message coming across either um, 
Like, for instance, I look at the 20th century and my generation and my parents' generation, um, this Protestant work ethic of the 20th century. It's interesting we use the Protestant idea of uh, that this is a, a Christian idea of work responsibility. You know, we're, we're responsible yeah. people. Um, and I think that... Um, when Christians, we were we we were taught, and we taught um, that when we saw Paul's life, Paul the Apostle's life, um, we saw him working all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this, this uh, it, in fact, I, I would. I would say that in my seminary training back in the early 80s, that this kind, this Paul's work ethic was pushed on us uh, as, as if to say, you know, kind of the military reporting for duty kind of deal. You know, each day we report for duty, and duty was, was kind of pressed in there, and it was not an unbiblical idea, you know, um, yeah, and so there was a lot of there can be a lot of confusion, and so you know we've talked our program um, the the struggles that I have had because I um, I know that I was a hyper worker like <laughs> like you in high school, but uh, because fundamentally I'm a lazy guy, but uh, it was not uncommon for me when I got out of seminary to put in 60 or 70 hours a week, and I loved it. Um, and, it can, and and my, my wife even was a part of that, you know. And, and so, you know, in the 20th century, we had husbands and wives uh, growing in that kind of environment. And so it wasn't... Uh, um, it wasn't seen as bad or dangerous, but I can I can tell you that as the years went by, uh, I could see I could see the deterioration of peace in my life. Yeah. Um, so I think for our audience, um, I, I'm just trying to create connecting points. So, for instance, is there a difference between laziness and resting in the Lord? Yeah, in other words, there's that you can do while you're on your, you know, your Sabbath. But, um, you know, you also have Paul talking about uh, uh, stay away from those who are lazy and not willing to work and, and so forth. So when you talk about rhythm and balance, where, where is that balance for our audience who oftentimes are not in uh, jobs and positions? They have large families like yourself, um, yeah. and uh, they, they don't get to take the, the, the typical Sabbaths, or they, the, their work doesn't allow them that rhythm, and so they can find a rhythm in an unrhythmic life that's presented for them, which is why I, I really, I'm glad that you're, you were going deeper about the interior freedom, you know, the, the kind of rest where Jesus says, you know, come to me. If you're weary and burdened, I will give you rest, 
which is not, no, I won't give it to you until you get it your Sabbath day. You know, it's, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a rest that takes place every day. And then there is this rest for the physical body for, for the purpose of joy. And, and so, but um, anyway, speaking to resonating with you. Well, that's, that's a whole lot, Chris. What, what, what I think is important to say over this kind of overlay over this conversation is just the idea of a pendulum swinging uh, from hyperactivity into complete laziness, um, just chilling out on your couch, ordering food to your house, and watching Netflix for eight hours. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that that kind of laziness dishonors the Lord. <laughs> and I know that that's not what the Apostle Paul was getting at, you know, when you reference the warning against idleness, because technology like that didn't exist, obviously, in the first century. Uh, but yeah, just let me, can I read that passage? I mean, because really, in Second Corinthians 3, Paul is encouraging them to a proper way of life. That's how he ends that letter. And so, do you guys mind if I read that? No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So he says, and now, my dear brothers and sisters, I give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus. Just stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition that they've received from us. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food. From anyone without paying for it, we worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we warned you to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. So anyways, he, he, he goes on to say just some of you are living idle lives, you're refusing to obey. And, and so in the process, when you look at the narratives of Jesus you can talk about, you know, Mark chapter 1, when he, he's up late into the night, it says. This is before Thomas Edison, right? So this is pre-electricity. He's up. The town is with him. There's no streetlights. So people are at, at this house, and he's healing them. It makes a point in the text to say yeah. late into the night. And then the very next phrase says early the next morning before the sun got up. Jesus goes out to be alone with the Father. And it's critical because his, his disciples come and find him and say, Jesus, man, you started a revival in that town. Let's go. Let's right. do it. Let's, let's start a ministry center. Let's, let's build this thing. And Jesus says to them, shockingly, now, I, actually, I just spent time with my father, and that's not my purpose. We got to go to the next town. And so amidst this work ethic is a rest ethic and a delight ethic. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to get rid of what your generation – Chris, I don't even know how old you are, but I'm assuming you're in your 50s, 60s? What are you? Well, I earlier said I was 89. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I didn't believe that. <laughs> I will be 58 in a couple of months. Right on. And okay. I have six grown children. Yeah. So, so you know, in my generation, the millennials, um, 
whereas the pendulum is more towards laziness, which your pendulum is probably more towards hyper work, unhealthy, dangerous, as, yeah. as Ruth Haley Barton would call it, a dangerous, tired. There is such a thing as a good tired, but dangerously tired. Yes. Uh, and so I, I, I think I love what you're getting at in terms of when we have this conversation with people, when we really start to call people into apprenticeship to Jesus and we start talking about the resting of Jesus, we have to, in the same paragraph or soon after, talk about the work ethic of Jesus. That Mark chapter 6 clearly says that they were so so full of ministry and doing work that they didn't even have time to eat. Well, for some people in 2020 who are writing on spiritual formation, they would say, you have to make time for yourself. You have, I mean, if you're not eating lunch, you're unhealthy. Well, guess what? You just called Jesus unhealthy. Mm. <laughs> and he wasn't. He's the most healthy, vibrant human being ever. The difference isn't who followed what rules. The difference is he showed his boys what it looked like to be in constant connection in work and rest with his father and to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And, and by that Holy Spirit freedom, sometimes he ate, sometimes he didn't eat, um, which is probably why my weekly rhythm, when you look at like my rule of life, every week it's different. I mean, there's some uh-huh. structure to it, but man, there's a lot of freedom in it. For that reason, if you can't tell the Holy Spirit what to do and how to do it. <laughs> you can try, but you're gonna fail. And be and and be worse off for it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you'd be deformed. Yeah, not formed. Yeah, deformed. <laughs> At some point, uh Matt in the show here, um we'll probably need to ask you uh you know, what are you know, one, two or three things that someone who finds themselves um, <clears throat> in hyper work activity or mode or whatever it is, um, you know, what, what would you recommend? I, I wanted to ask you one, one last thing and then I'll turn it back over to Kirk. And that is, so uh, in your counseling uh, that's done, um, Obviously, there are people who are addicted to work. I felt like I was addicted to work. You know, most pe- people who are addicted to things don't know that they're addicted to things. You know? And uh, whatever masters you, you're a slave to, uh, is what Peter says. And, uh, um, and as you know, I'm, I'm working for the Lord, you know. But yeah. uh, really, all of work is for the Lord. And so I'm trying to translate that from a pastor mindset to to uh, a, a lay person, a regular person, a new person, whatever. Uh, all of their work is ministry and to the Lord. And so um, what what would be what would be your sense or your thought about getting unaddicted to work? Um, even if it, even if we have the mindset that you know the work that I do would bring you know is from the Lord, He's yeah. my boss, and I'm you know I'm being responsible for my family, so I'm in God's will doing my work. 
but not recognizing that I may be addicted to my work because I'm equating work with loving God or I'm equating I'm equating this with uh, yeah. um, God's will. I don't know that I'm totally as uh, explaining what I'm trying to get at, but maybe you know because you've had more time examining these things. Plus, you're you're an expert, you know. So, well, my first question, Chris, would I clarify this as saying what you originally started off with was somebody that's in a hyper work situation. What are some like some three things? I heard one, two, and three. Maybe three things that uh, some steps or things they can uh, suggestions Matt had to help them move out of that. Is that where you were moving into? Yeah, I, I want to move to a more uh, to practical. But in order to get to the practical, I think a lot of people don't recognize they might be addicted to work. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, what do you what do you think about that, Matt? So first, first, rec- how do they recognize their thing, their addictions? Okay. Yeah. Is Matt there? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking those are all really good. <laughs> Coming from a workaholic, do... the first step is admitting it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I so um, before I did, I told you about that spiritual formation experience I had with Rhythm and Twenty, right? With the twenty guys, and I, I didn't really go too far into that, but um, what it was is twenty of us got together with five mentors, and we took a four-day retreat in Estes Park, Colorado. Then those same twenty guys went back to their home state. We were all from different states, most of us, and we practiced one day a month either for four hours or 10 hours, getting away to have that unhurried time. We called it a day of space. And we practiced that for a year together, kept each other accountable. We came back, we went to Coronado Island the next year, same 20 guys, same mentors. And we talked through it again. And we we rode bikes around Coronado Island. We learned how to surf. We went kayaking. We read scripture together. We prayed. We spent unhurried time. Then we did a whole other year of space, just practicing it, learning what does this look like? And then we met back again in Estes Park. It was such a gift. Um, but really, before I did that, I went on a four-day retreat with Ruth Haley Barton. I don't know if you all have ever read her book, uh, uh, Strengthening yes. the Soul. Oh, my gosh, all the time. All the time I read that book. It's yeah. one of my top favorite books in, in of all time. Um, well, there you go. And, and you know, she... She has this whole section in that book about basically listening to our exhaustion, right? I, I mentioned this earlier, but the difference between good tired and uh-huh. dangerously tired. And so I, I'm quoting from her right now, but she just says, you know, we're dangerously tired when we feel out of control. Uh, and then she, she basically has some, some really interesting gauges. Um, <laughs> like, uh, she says, I just remember from her book, she says, if you're in a supermarket and you see somebody you know and you duck and cover <laughs> and avoid them, that is a warning light. Wake up. Uh, you are dangerously tired. <laughs> if you're neglecting bodily habits that are essential to your long-term health, like brushing your teeth 
and flossing and rinsing, if you're avoiding those things because you're just too tired to do that, guess what? You're dangerously tired. It almost sounds like the old Jeff Foxworthy, uh, <laughs> if you do this, you're a redneck. Right. So just, she names. It, it's a very, I would say that's, that would be, Chris, a very helpful starting point. And, and there's, uh, she has a website called the Transforming Center. Uh, it's transformingcenter.org where you can explore those different gauges without having to buy the book if you're not a reader. But I think that's a good place to start is look at, look at some of the areas of your life and say, am I a good tired? Or am I dangerously tired? And I think that's a good place to start. So, secondly, I would say if you want to take a good step, and I've said this to high school kids as a high school pastor for over a decade, I said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, guess what? As adults, the same is true for us. Show me your companions. Isn't it interesting that the only time we see Jesus spending an entire night of prayer, an entire night, is before he chooses his 12? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. we have a choice about who's on the path with us. And so, yeah, you can, you can reorient yourself around the gospel. You can, you can you know, you can reject some lies and embrace truth. You can, you can start practicing spiritual disciplines on your own, but if you don't have a community, I would dare say you're a dangerous human being. Mm. You need community. You know, as Bonhoeffer says in Life Together, he says, you know, beware of those people. Beware of those people who can cannot be alone because they're dangerous for community, but also beware of those people in community who cannot be alone. Mm. <laughs> Both are very dangerous human beings. Right. Um, right. I want to say we desperately need community. Uh huh. I and I and your description, your story included that. Um, just what you what you shared about going away, keeping it, being accountable, taking a year to practice four to eight yeah. hours a month of time away uh, with yeah. God, and uh, and then coming back together for you know each year to uh to check on each other that's that's uh that's that communal that community yeah. thing so important and that, and just to be clear i was i was interrupting you when you were giving the title of Ruth Haley Barton's book so uh <laughs> can you give us both the title of her book and her website one more time yes yeah, so transformingcenter.org if you want little bite-sized pieces of her wisdom. And then the book is called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And my experience with her, no joke, was I, I probably, I would dare to say I rested and legitimately napped over the two-day period we were together. I napped more. I was asleep more than I was awake in the two days that we were with each other. I was that tired. And she would she would teach for half an hour and send us out for an hour to have space with God. And she would she would say, you know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is nap. So if you're tired, mm-hmm. just close your eyes and sleep. For mm-hmm. two days straight, this this tender woman would come and put her hand on my shoulder and say, "Hey, Matt, it's time to get up. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to wake up." Just the sweetest lady. 
and that really set me on uh, a transformative path, you know, and I, but I couldn't have done it without uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ and without my wife embracing the journey too, because that first rhythm in 20 event that I got back for, I woke her up in the middle of the night to apologize mm-hmm. for the pace that I was leading at. And I was crying at the foot of our bed and telling her, will you please forgive me? And I'm going to fight for space with God, but I'm also going to fight for space with you and Eden, our, our baby girl at the time. And uh, it's very powerful, that community. Man, that is, that is beautiful. Thank you for that vulnerability and sharing that, Matt. Really, um, I, I, as a fellow seven on the Enneagram, uh, I know how tough it is to get to those places of discomfort and pain. Again, like, love to be the party guy, the, ha, ha, you know, having a good time. And so to be to be able to be bold enough, one, to share that with your wife, to be at that p- place of uh, vulnerability with your wife and to open up and admit that to yourself and to her is huge. And then to share with all of us. Uh, that's big for a seven. So thank you for just the, the level of maturity, whether people recognize it or not. I mean, that there's for a seven to be at this place. That's huge. I, I went to a spiritual direction school and they were talking about the different numbers of the Enneagram and they played a video from Richard Rohr's like one of the forefathers of, you know, of the Enneagram becoming such a huge part of, of the culture, you know, at least to the level it is right now. And he, he says, you know, every time I go on one of these spiritual direction retreats, and that wasn't even a school, it was just a retreat. He said, whenever I go on there, I ask people to raise their hand as I read off, as I name off the numbers in the Enneagram personality profile. And he goes, you know the number that's most most often not here or it has the fewest number of people raising their hands? When I had a, a spiritual direction school yeah. or, or a retreat about, about the Enneagram, he says it's the numbers, it's the sevens. Because <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> yeah. This is not fun. This is not a punk rock. I tell you why, yeah. dude. The first time somebody sent me out in the wilderness to pray, I was I just I ran up a mountain, literally, to conquer something. <laughs> Until I was dead tired with my little as I'm a little asthmatic up there on the side of the mountain and that's this part just crashing on a rock. But it took that to slow me down. <laughs> <laughs> so all that I to say yeah, and all that to say, that's huge, like, for, for a seven to be at this place. You know, so people may not realize yeah. that, but this, you know, as a seven, I know how hard it is for you and I. Uh, it's an amazing, It's a. it is totally God to get sevens to a place where we rest like that. Where we we yeah. pursue those rhythms where we recognize we don't like to see our interior pain. We run from that. That's why we have such a good time. We want to ignore the discom the uncomfortable things within. And so I just want you to know, as a fellow seven, I recognize the level of maturity is that's that's really incredible. Grace filled maturity that you have. And I wanna I wanna honor that, you know? Thanks. And and so um, going into our last half hour, if it's okay with Chris, I, I'm going to be a little selfish here. 
Um, I, I, I'm gonna. I want. Uh, I want you to, if you wouldn't mind, Matt, speaking to me, and maybe hopefully other people get something out of this. But um, <laughs> in all of this, what's happening in my life right now is speaking as a seven is God has has pulled me to a place or led me to a place where he has challenged me and called me to go on a three month sabbatical to to unplug from everything that uh, I've been actively a part of and I've never experienced um, rest to this level I have some rhythms I have like a a monthly rhythm or a daily rhythm of two hours of prayer walking in the morning with God and scripture reading and, and, you know, and, and a couple of times, you know, throughout the day where I alarm my phone uh, for 10 minutes or so, like Daniel, you know, at the, the Jewish times of prayer, praying three times a day, like Daniel um, and monthly or weekly Sabbath day of rest. And then a monthly eight hour prayer day, like you talked about, and then a yearly six day silent retreat. So I have these daily, weekly, monthly, uh, yearly rhythms, but I have never done a three month like disconnect from everything I was doing and people I was ministering to and serving to completely shut that down for rest for three months. So this is unprecedented. It's kind of funny that we're in an unprecedented precedented time in our culture, and I feel like what God is challenging me is very much a level of adjustment that, you know, like the culture is having to go through. I'm experiencing that personally. Um, and I'm starting a week uh, or I'm starting next Monday, the day after Resurrection Sunday. And and um, it's been quite a journey for me to get to this place. Um, he's He's been, been like two months now, God is preparing us, preparing me, preparing my leadership, who actually we practice Ruth Haley Barton's um, uh, leadership uh, ideas of contemplative planning, that we actually pray together and ask God, that we don't make goals. We ask God, what is it you want for us? And then we come back, we pray, and we come back together and um, and share what God is showing us. And then we and then we talk that out and pray that out. And we did a month long fast uh, in February, prayer and fasting for direction as a as a church leadership. And what came back? One of our leaders came back with Kurt. You need a sabbatical. And yeah, after and that's and here's the thing: a year before that, Matt, I didn't tell anybody this, but a year before that, we were crossing the five-year mark, uh, the four-year mark for our services, but the five-year mark in me um, preparing and serving people, and you know, uh, preparing the groundwork for our church community and getting it started, and it had been five years, and I. And the church I came from, after six years of service, they give each of their pastors a three-month sabbatical. So a year ago, I'd crossed five years of serving, and I thought, God, in one year, if I was still back where I came from, the church I came from in Vegas, I'd get, I'd have the option of a three-month sabbatical. And uh, that would be a lovely thing, because I'm, I'm getting tired. Even though I have these rhythms, I'm getting tired. But Matt, I tell you, I didn't even tell my wife that that 
that conversation with God. I didn't tell anyone. And wow. I, and a year later, when I'm crossing the six-year mark, my leadership team prays and fasts like Ruth Haley Barton suggests and, you know, does the contemplative planning model. That comes out. Kurt needs a sabbatical. And I was, like, blown away. I mean, blown away that someone, one of my leaders p- picked up on the Holy Spirit nudging saying, this is what Kurt needs without saying anything from my end. And we went on this journey of processing that. And I have to tell you, I don't know what's going to happen when this is over. He will not let me think. Um, He will not let me consider what comes next. And in fact, the leadership made the decision that our whole church is taking the sabbatical. We are actually closing down what we do officially as Elevate for three months. And it's freaking me out. <laughs> like, I'm, he, he, he's, I'm, I'm trusting him, but at the same time, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, I, I really don't. And he's like, take it one day at a time. And, and he, it's ironic, and it's not lost on me that this starts, this three-month sabbatical starts the day after Resurrection Sunday when Jesus comes out of the tomb after three days. Right. And I went on my prayer day last Friday and I woke up out of a weird dream and I wrote it down and journaled it and asked God for the title. And he gave me the title Gethsemane. And he said, this prayer day is your Gethsemane. You're about to go into the tomb for three months. And today is the day where you have to make a decision like Jesus did in the garden to say, let this cup pass from me or not my will, yours be done. And and you have to choose. Are you gonna are you going to set your mind on doing something that is crazy and literally disconnect from everything that you feel is life giving, the way you serve people, like this has to all die for three months. You have to lay still and silent in the tomb and and someone also my spiritual director also said, Now don't forget that there's joy in that. And there's hope on the other side of that. You know, don't focus, you can't so much focus on the fact that, that this is an obligation or a, you know, there is death involved, but there's also joy and delight, like you said. And so as I walk into this, I guess what I, I'm, all that's a huge setup to ask you, Matt, um, for some counsel right now, like any, any thoughts, coming to mind um, when it comes to the balance of walking into a, a season that very clearly God is saying is like Jesus in the tomb, but yet being able to walk into that with a sense of delight and joy. <laughs> Any suggestions <laughs> for me? <laughs> no, I'm not asking a lot, yeah. am I? <laughs> wow. Well, I, you know, the whole time you were talking, I couldn't stop thinking about my, my all-time favorite book is The Contemplative Pastor. Eugene Peterson. By Eugene Peterson. Yes. Have you read that? I own it and I have not read it. It's not completely. Yeah. So, so that book is his journey of a sabbatical. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Taking I, a ye- I've read a taking little a year bit. year off. Yeah, he takes a year off, 
one of the greatest stories any book I've ever read. It just makes me laugh out loud every time I read it. But he tells the story when he gets back from the sabbatical after a year. Him and his people in his church are supposed to go take a trip. And they are supposed to meet at the church at 8 o'clock, and they're going to leave at 8 o'clock a.m. Well, he gets there a little late, like 8.10, and they're gone. <laughs> they they left him. <laughs> they, just, they just left him. And they knew he was coming, and they, they left. Because they just, he said it was one of the most freeing, beautiful things uh, to know that his people uh, that that although they want him to be their pastor, they don't need him. Uh, mm. Because what that time off did was, going back to our John 10 reference, help them to rely on the good shepherd, not him mm. as a little, little ass shepherd. So I'm just excited for you. I'm excited for these three months where, uh, again, one of my favorite quotes from that book is, uh, he said, how horrible of a thing it is to be the, the parasite on the spiritual back of other people. Because I reject that. I don't want to be a parasite. I want to taste and see for myself that God is good. Mm. And you have that unique opportunity over the next few months. And I, I would encourage you to imagine this time. My only advice to you is to imagine, to reimagine this time less as a disconnection from the world and more of a reconnection a reconnection with God mm. on a deeper level, a, a reconnection and engagement, not a disengagement. It's just a diff. You're able now to put all of your power and energy because I think one of our greatest temptations, especially as sevens, would be to spend these three months consuming. Right. And overdoing it on some things. Yep. But I if love you games. look at it. <laughs> I love games. Yeah. We're games especially. <laughs> I just think uh, reimagining this time as a, a reconnection with God, a reconnection with your true self. I couldn't recommend a spiritual director more if you don't already have one. I do, I do. Find David, one. You know him. You actually know him, David. Le- well, yeah. well, I've, I I don't know if you know him. He's part of Stadia, the church funding organization that we are awesome. part of. So David Lemire. Yeah, so if you meet with him, I don't know if you probably meet with him once a month. Once uh, every two weeks, actually. Oh well, that's great. Even better. Even better. So I would I would dig into that. I would reconnect with God. I'd, I'd focus on reconnecting with your true self, your true self. Discovering, man, who did God make make Kurt to be? Maybe you would take some time to really reflect on the highs and the lows that have gone on, and journal through those, reprocess them, rehash them out with your spiritual director, with your wife, with close friends. Uh, and physically, uh, I just I set simple rhythms, you know. Just set really simple rhythms. And as much as you can, I would say stay in one place because a sabbatical okay. is not a vacation. <laughs> so it's, it's not, uh, you know, Eugene Peterson says that the difference between a day off and a Sabbath is that a day off is a bastard Sabbath. It's not the oh, real wow. thing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty strong language. So I the goal it. is not to it's not to pack as much fun as you possibly can into the allotted time and in the three months. Um, and so, if you do travel, just once you're settled, man, 
do all you can to facilitate the kind of rest you need. My wife and I, we took a couple months off in between our Illinois position in Arizona. We, we rented an RV and went to the Smoky Mountains with our family, Estes Park in Texas, and it was incredible. Uh, but we didn't do that. We didn't do that for more than a few weeks. The rest of the time, we just stayed in one place, and I'm so glad we did. Mm. Well, these days, I don't think I'm going to have much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's and I true. think that's and, part uh, of this, you know, like part uh, of God's perfect timing is the temptation. Uh, and I was planning on going traveling to see my spiritual director and stay at his place. They actually do this thing where they bring, they they have the upstairs of their house, the main, actually the main floor of the house. Um, they live like in the mother-in-law quarters downstairs. And the upstairs they have for missionaries and pastors and ministry oh, leaders cool. who are taking a sabbatical and they do... They, you know, you have to pay like rent to be there for a month, but the spiritual direction, the coaching is free. And, That's cool. Um, yeah. And with this, it actually stopped because of because of some uh, some situations that have happened. It's actually we can't go. My family can't travel, obviously there. But also, there's a missionary couple and their family that were coming in May from some place that were coming to stay there that they actually had to get out sooner because of all this. And now, you know, the time slot that would have been, could have been me is now them. So we're talking about doing my wife and I doing uh, some video stuff with, uh, with, with Dave and his wife, Jan. Um, so, yeah. And so there, there's a plug for them. Eagles, Re- Eagles Rest is their ministry. And uh, if so if anyone out there is tired and and wants an incredible uh, experience with uh, an incredible couple, including if you ever get there, Matt, including you, they are they are just awesome people. Um, awesome. Both of them. They both. They're both. His wife Jan is incredible. Both incredible spiritual directors. So. So I wrote down those things. Thank you. I uh, I wrote them down, and, and I have that book, so that's on top of my reading list for this article. And, uh, you know, before we before we started this conversation, I pulled off one of my favorite uh, prayer resources by Ted Loder. It's called oh. Gorillas of Grace. Have you ever seen yes. that? Yes. It, it, it's there, in her there's a prayer in there. book, right? She She quotes that a lot. A lot, yeah, a lot of people do. He's a phenomenal poet, prayer, and so, so Ted Loader. Yeah, it's called Gorillas of Grace. G U E R R I L L A S of Grace. Gorillas of Grace. Prayers for the battle. And there's a whole section on rest and renewal. Uh, and there's one prayer. I'd love to pray over you if that's okay. Uh, yeah. And then you know, over anybody else who just needs a little bit of rest and renewal right now. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, yeah, let me pray that. So, we pray that you would set us free, Lord. Lord of wondrous patience, the earth has risen again. 
emerging from a darkness in a way that's never quite been before, whirling to a fresh time of unused space, alive with trembling possibilities and I with it. Such staggering grace. Please nurture us in your newness. Set us free from the tyrannies of old rhythms and habits of complaining and blaming. Shake from us the dusty melancholy of too much success or comfort, too much pain, too much pride and pretense. That, as if on the first day of creation, we may begin to see the miracle of life in humanity. To hear the hum of grace unfolding to meet all of our needs, unexpectedly and surprisingly, urging us to go on in faith to do whatever is next in love. Amen. 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 Thank you, Matt. Thank you for You're welcome. being on the show with us tonight. And uh, and Good. I would love I would love for you to uh, give us before we go. Um, and I, we're not we're not going to go uh, because I, I think Chris and I and and everyone who's listening we need to talk about what you know if the sabbatical is happening this sabbatical happening what what's going to happen with life hurts God heals from for the next three months but um, before before uh, that happens I just want to I get first of all say thank you this was like super helpful tonight I think just. Seriously impactful, Chris. Your questions that you you gave uh, were were really good on the mark, and and you began to talk about some resources, uh, a, a couple books, a, uh, a couple websites. So, I, Andy, can we make sure this is on the uh, the website when people go to listen for the if people are listening in podcast or whatever um, afterward. There was, uh, you said, uh, Ruth Haley Barton's website, which yeah. is, what, what is that again, Matt? Transformingcenter.org. Transformingcenter.org. And then Ted yeah. Loader's, what's his website for these wonderful poems and prayers? Oh, uh, actually, it's a book. You can buy it on Amazon. Uh, okay. Gorillas of Grace. Prayers for the battle, and the other resource we didn't mention tonight, but I lead retreats with a guy named Alan Fadling, and uh, he wrote a book called The Unhurried Life, and he he has a phenom. Him and his wife Jim have a phenomenal tool box. I mean, it's just a treasure chest of resources for unhurrying yourself uh, on their website. It's one of the best out there. It's called unhurriedliving.com. Unhurriedliving.com. Yeah, awesome. unbelievable. So good. Awesome. Thank you so much for this. Thank yeah. your wife for uh, yeah. sharing you with us. And uh, thank you for that incredible uh, free counseling I got flying back from uh, from Orlando and <laughs> how, how this all developed. We didn't even talk about that, how all this developed. I met Matt's wife on the plane back from the conference I was at just before everything shut down and she happened to be sitting next to me flying from Orlando to uh, Phoenix and I got an hour and a half of therapy, marriage and family therapy for free. Yeah, that's good. 
And so tell her I'll never forget that. And uh, she loved and it. Her, yeah, she never will either. It was awesome. And tell her thank you for sharing you tonight. You're welcome, man. I'll tell her. I'll tell her thank yeah. you. It was good to meet you, Chris, Annie. And, yeah. Uh, blessings I, on you guys. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, Take we, care. We, All right. It was awesome. Thank you. I'll bow out. Much love, All right. guys. All right. You Take too. Peace. Take care. Uh, we have a few more minutes. And uh, so, you know, just dropped that, that I'm going on sabbatical, unplugging from church, and I'll be unplugging from this. So what does that mean for uh, for Life Hurts, God Heals for the next three months? Well, it means that, um, and Annie came up with a good name for this. We're going to call this people. Right, wait, and, so again. we lost you. Say that again. Season, season two of Life Hurts, God Heals, 2.0. And, uh, and it's just going to be little old me. And even Annie's going to take a little break. And so it'll be uh, really, really fun. It'll be like a roller coaster ride next week um, <laughs> as I do, uh, try and do the whole thing by myself. But uh, I have a great coach. Miss Annie's going to nurse me through it all. I, <laughs> I, and uh, but we're just we're going to um, uh, I'm going to have some, um, I think, really important topics that uh, will help, especially uh, as people are going through the stresses of society, and the life changes they are going through. Uh, with job losses and less money and those kinds of things. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, If I'm doing the show by myself, we probably won't have too many guests, although I am going to try to arrange for uh, uh, perhaps some guest co-hosts every now and again. And that'll be fun to have that exchange. And that's where we are, Kurt. And how about the time frame? Like we we typically right now are running, especially when we have a guest and there's three of us on, or four of us in this case, um, we're running close to the two hour mark. Uh, what's the what's the time frame you're hoping to run for the well, for season two? If you're not there, then the show will only be about twenty minutes. No. <laughs> run the show probably 45 minutes somewhere in that in that range 45 to 55 minutes uh because i i can't imagine myself talking that long but uh, but we we will uh, bring out uh questions and thoughts and concerns that people have raised um that they are struggling with and um and so we'll try to address some of those things and using scripture to do that. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really thankful for you taking up the mantle and running this uh, without Annie and, and I for, for three months, for season two. And uh, that's, I really appreciate that. And uh, I know Fred, who who's over uh, linked local network, is very appreciative he uh he really values what we're doing and uh he's a huge 
you know, cheerleader for us. So he did not want to see this end. Um, so thank you for your, just not only were you, it was not, I never sensed uh, obligation from you to say, oh, okay, I'll take it. Um, we seriously prayed about is this need to, what is, you know, like this is unprecedented again. Like I have no idea what I'm walking into. We're having to see God every step along the way. And just, you know, blessed are, like Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. And uh, and so I'm so poor. I, I don't know what the next step is. I have nothing but this moment. And and as we talked about it, your just willingness to jump in and say, I, I want to do this was 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 really fantastic. Um, so cool. thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Yep. So next week will be the start of Life Hurts, Got Heals, Season 2 with your host, Chris Woolwind. And uh, and I am looking forward to uh, coming back in three months, but I'm also looking forward to what God is going to do as I learn to rest well myself in the next three months. So uh, just thank you to everyone who's been listening tonight. Um before we go, Annie, did you want to say something? I thought, oh, okay. I look, there was like a look of readiness. That She's was resting my finger on. was getting ready. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to thank everyone for listening tonight. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, I want to thank you for being involved in this. And I would say, uh, yeah, jump in with Chris and and this is a chance for people to call in and, uh, and, you know, comment. And we had, we had Doug and Veronica last week and we had Debbie, uh, Peggy, Peggy online, right. Um, giving comments and things. This is a chance for people to get really interactive in the next season and season two to be more interactive than this time. Uh, so thank you for everyone involved And Annie, thank you for, and the, in the midst of a crazy season for you doing this for us. And thanks again. Always a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you soon. Bye.